0: Um, Here's kind of the rules for tonight. Uh, If you have questions, uh, Jeff and I, I will tell you right now, are not going to hit every single part and nuance on the topic of racism. We're going to do our very best to just share our lives, our relationship, um, our friendship, and family. And we're going to get into that a little bit more in a minute. But we're just going to share our lives in the context of that conversation. If you happen to have uh, questions, You can just put those questions right in to the platform that you're watching on and then we have a team that is relaying those questions to myself so that Jeff and I can deal with those. Um, I guess I want to set the tone for the night in terms of like what we can expect from the two of us. I'm going to open up my iPad here. Sorry about that. It needs my face. (laughs) couple things. Number one, we said tonight we're going to talk about racism in the context through the lens of faith, friendship, and family. So Jeff and I are operating underneath the pretense that if you're, if you're sitting in the room or you're listening online right now, that you are a person who is asking one key question. How does God, how has he, how will he, how is he threading himself through the topic and through the questions that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So Jeff and I are going to reflect a lot on scripture and a lot on what we feel like God has shown us in our life, our life individually, uh, and our life together as friends and our life together as family. Um, So the key question that Jeff and I will ask in a lot of things is like, God, what are you teaching us in this? God, where are you at in this? Show us your heart in this. Those are big things that we we end up asking. We'll, we'll call each other and say, like, hey, like, as we're having conversations, you'll say, like, like what's God saying about yeah. that? We were talking earlier, and you asked me that. Yeah. You're like, what's God saying about that? I always that?
1: want to know what God is saying and yeah. the mood and his His heart towards things because it puts things in perspective. It's easy for me or anyone to jump to any conclusions because there's so many voices. you got to get quiet and hear where God's heart is, because that's where the grace is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you do, man, and you do a really good job, I think, in my life of kind of tuning me back into that and pulling me back to that sometimes, because I don't, I don't, I don't live. There. I wish I did, but I just don't live there all the time. I'm a little bit intense, and yes, I think some, some ADD going on or something. It's okay. I don't know what that is, but it's cool. Um, here, here's a disclaimer. Uh, Jeff and I do not represent every single white person and every single black person in this conversation. What you see is you're going to see a white guy and a black guy having a conversation out out of a context of faith, of friendship and family. Yeah. So I don't want you to think that, if Jeff says something or I say something or he asks a question or I ask a question, that this is the conclusion or this is what every single person that you come in contact with looks at it in a concrete way because people are people and there's nuances to people's lives and and upbringings and all those things. So um, why don't you, like, first and foremost, a lot of people may not know this, but we're brother-in-laws. Yeah. So some people are like, Yep. Because we see each other and like I crawl up across and like sit on your lap and people are like, what in the world's going on? I think there's video footage of this a couple minutes there ago. I was joking there around. So like we genuinely love each other. Yes, we do. Um, we're So we're family and we have a relationship. We both love God. We're both here working in ministry together. You and I were talking about this. Mm-hmm. What... What was the key, and we're gonna, this is digging a little bit into the archives, but it's important. We're not going to walk down memory lane about our lives out of context, so this is contextually. What, what was the pillar, the key thing that we found our lives intersecting around?
1: Uh, since we have connected in so many different levels, it's, it's our uh, wives' dad. It's, we call him Daddy, James Coleman.
0: Daddy. Daddy. Anybody who's met him, is, he's either Mr. Coleman. Yep.
1: If you, First, it's Mr. Coleman. Yep. Because I wanted his daughter really bad. <laughs> you know I did. Amen. Um, and I was raised to respect. But as I was accepted and received, it became Daddy. It went to another level.
0: Yeah. So... The context of us really meeting was um, in telling this story, I think what it does is explain some nuance of, uh, here's, I'm going to use this word of race relations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I'm i standing in the kitchen. I, I was banished to the kitchen. Yes. Because <laughs> I was dating the youngest of the family, my yes. wife Chandra. Yes, you were. And... Uh, I was not on the daddy level yet. I was on the Mr. Coleman level, and he did not like me. True story. It's facts. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, I think one of the things was he told us at our wedding, like he straight up started our wedding, if you remember this. I do. When he said, uh, (laughs) I'm going to imitate my father-in-law. He said, Well, I didn't like this boy. <laughs> I did everything I could to run him off. Yeah, he did. He goes, and then he always said, <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> my family who's watching right now is yes. getting got a smile on their face cuz <laughs> we just celebrated 1 year yeah. of uh him being with of Jesus. his passing and him going to be with Jesus yeah. and uh just this last Saturday and And it was a joy, but in the same moment, he began weeping Mm -hmm. and started talking about, you know, God in the picture. Yes. But before I got there, I was banished to the kitchen, bro. Mm -hmm. And then in came like this dude with like the kid and play cut. (laughs) Yes, sir. I had it high and tight. And I and I gotta tell you like and it and, and this dude was like he stayed in the kitchen with me. I did. He was like he hung out with the white guy in the kitchen, and then you realized kind of the dynamic and that's where the food was. Yes. So I would hang back in the kitchen where there was like greens and cornbread and like black eyed peas yes. and shitlins.
1: and Yes. Soul
0: food. Soul food, right? And I, I didn't know what soul food was. <laughs> I was just like, there's food. And there was something called Louisiana hot sauce, which I grew up with Mexican food, but I was like, what's this Louisiana stuff? And then I just doused it all with Louisiana hot sauce. And um, I watched you get absorbed into the family. Yeah. You obviously married Gail. I married Chandra. Yeah. But I feel like for the last 25 years of our life, uh, it's, God, it's crazy to say, huh? It is. 25 years. The last 25 years of our life, the, and not just for you and I, I think this is important for our family,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the centerpiece of that and the strength of that was daddy. Yes. Um, I remember sitting with him and having a conversation. My wife is at UCLA. And she was taking an African-American history class at UCLA. Mm-hmm. And when she walked into the house, he asked her uh, what she was reading, and she told him. And he said, if you want to learn about history, just come mm-hmm. ask me. I was there. Yeah. And it started a series of dialogues that I had with him that he was able to talk to me about the racism that he had seen. Yes. Yes and what he had dealt with growing up, Mm -hmm. and ultimately what he found to be part of the solution that we'll get to in a minute. But racism was something that daddy dealt with, and you and I were just talking about this, like he dealt with it to a far more overt and stronger degree yes and you were talking even about your own father like talk to me a little bit about what you were saying in terms of the older generations and like what like what they had dealt with sure and what that meant and what that means for you and I and the generations that come
1: one of the things that stood out to me as i am an african american if you want to be politically correct or you could just say i'm a black man i'm okay with either one i am a man and I seen James Coleman. My father's name is Robert Jones. And I, can I tell him the story about the the TV
0: show, or what do you you, want to you, I would wait for that one. That was okay. a, that's a good right. one. so we have some great stories. One there.
1: of the one of the things that um, I seen because both my parents walked with Martin Luther King. The, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, in the South, and one of the things they said after some things subsided and Mr. King, Dr. King had passed, I heard my mom said, we have to get him out of here because the thinking and the mindset and perspective at that time, he will be trapped as a young man. My mom said, I need to get him around diversity. Robert, we need to move out of Memphis. And at the time, my dad came from the Vietnam War and if you didn't know, we look exactly alike. He's not my biological father. But you don't need to be my biological father for me to get the spirit of a father. That was free. <laughs> so we moved to Oceanside, California from the deep south to here because my parents wanted diversity. They wanted me not to experience so much of what they've experienced, but to learn from that so I could move on.
0: So what's interesting is is I'm gonna use some different language. You and okay. I were talking today. Um, your parents recognized that there was a system yes. that was operational in the South mm-hmm. that operated to a stronger degree than the system operated in California. Correct. So I want to describe for everybody re- really quickly. I wanna, I'm going to walk us through kind of linearly racism. I think there's a lot of confusion. You and I have been talking about confusion yeah, a lot. Bro. For sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: Man. So I just want, I feel like there's a lot of confusion. I just want to say it up front, I'm, I'm having conversations with friends, people that are mm-hmm. calling me and mostly white that are seeking, which I really appreciate, are seeking to understand a perspective that's a little bit different. And I think they're calling me because of my relationships Mm -hmm. with um, a family that's black, a wife that's black, my children, obviously. And so the confusion centered around a lot of the questions that I get are, I think, caused by confusion because of some definitions. Yeah. And so I'm going to define racism. I'm going to walk us through this. And and in it, it's going to open up some things, and it's also going to maybe answer some things. Racism, if you just look it up and Google it, prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is Superior. superior. Now, racism is a belief. So we believe in God. Yeah. Beliefs have systems. There's it's called a belief system. It is. Okay? <laughs> the belief system of thinking that your race is more superior than another person's is called racism. Mm-hmm. Racism is a system. Okay. So that's important for us to understand mm-hmm. because we've all been born into a system. So, faith, we were born into a system mm-hmm. of sin. We're born into the system. Yeah. Okay? We're all sinners. Like yeah. we, bo- we need Jesus to reconcile that. We're all born into a system in America of racism. Yes. Why do I say that? Well, America was founded on and set up for the benefit of white Americans. Slavery has proven that. So I'm not going to give a whole history lesson on that. I don't think, I don't think <laughs> anyone would argue with me no. about slavery existed and that obviously racism, the system was set up to protect the slave owners from the slaves gaining too much power. So if you look back, and again, I'm not gonna get into a ton of history, there was something that happened where the South slave owners wanted to be able to count their black slaves as a person in order to get more delegates to create more votes, to pass more laws. The compromise was, we'll count all of the slaves and only count three-fifths of them. So, if there was 100 slaves in the South, Mm -hmm. in a state, we're not going to count all 100 of them as a whole 100, Right. okay? That is a system that was set up to perpetuate the power of the white slave owner. Mm -hmm. Consequent laws and systems have been set up in America that were meant to protect the white American, specifically male, okay? Because females had to fight for their ability to vote. And so we had 13th, 14th, 15th amendment, So again, these are all, I'm not gonna get super deep into the weeds, but I think it's important for us to understand the history to a degree so we can understand this, that racism in fact, today where we sit in 2020 is very nuanced because it's a highly complex system that's comprised of social and political structures that are intertwined together, okay? We had the social structure of slavery in the South, that was intertwined into the political structure of, of what was happening, and that's why I want, if I'm the w- white slave owner, I want all of my slaves to count as people. Why? Because I want more ability to have votes. And consequently, what ended up happening in history is that those states that were able to, e- even with three-fifths being counted, those states were able to control presidencies, mm-hmm. supreme courts, and mm-hmm. all laws and policies which create systems, Yeah. okay? So racism is a highly complex system mm-hmm. that's comprised of social and political structures originally set up to benefit white Americans. I think, I think we can all agree on that, okay? I don't have yeah. everyone who's listening, sitting in the room giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> um, <laughs> go read your own history books. Um, check those history books though because some of them will only tell you one side of the history. Misinformation. Some of us have been born into this system and because of the color of our skin, we have more privileges than other people that are born into the system. Jeff and I are both born. He did not choose to be born black. I didn't choose to be born white. I was born with more privileges than Jeff. Why? Because the system I was born into was set up to perpetuate my power.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a term called white privilege that triggers people. Yeah, So, A lot. A lot. A lot. So one of the questions, one of the, one of the things that I hear my white friends will say to me is, white privilege doesn't exist because... You know, I know white people that are poor and I know white people that, you know, are disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. True. I'm not saying that. I don't think that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. However, I'm talking about a system. Right. One of the things that causes confusion, so here's a couple, here's a couple things, and, I, and, and I'm going to ask you because I want to hear what you have to say about it, is racism is a system That's comprised of more than, I'm going to say this a different way, more than a consciousness of hate Mm -hmm. or slavery. Yeah. So what that means is, is that I just read a study that was just done by Barna Group, and it was very fascinating that like 50% of all the Christian, white Christians that were polled Mm -hmm. were like, slavery has no impact on culture today, where... Black Christians think totally different. And if you ask most white Christians, and some of this lines up with white Americans, they would say that racism does not exist today to a large degree or not at all. Mm. Because most of us think racism is conscious hate or slavery, mm-hmm. but it's not. No. It's a system. Yes. Okay. As a black man, mm-hmm. do you hate me because I was born white with more privilege?
1: No, no, I don't. Because um, I understand being black and being raised in uh, in different levels of it. Um, when early, when you were kids, the N word was never said in my house but I've been called the N word. So that's why I love my parents for bringing me here to giving me a chance to have diversity because racism to me, is starts in my mind. My perspective needed to change as my heart changed. So I can't blame you because you had no control of what color you were going to be. That was left up to God. And God chose you to, to have the color that you have. He chose your hair color. He chose your features. He, he says we're beautifully and wonderfully made. So in my, from my perspective, I can't blame anyone for being born the way they are and that they have more privilege. I, I can't. It's not in my heart.
0: Yeah, that, that was a really, I felt like that was a really big question that I had been, you know, Wrestling with how to how to deal with friends that were asking me that question, yeah. Because what was what caused confusion, I think, for a lot of you know white people that were talking to me is that they're like, man. And what triggered, I think, the trigger is like, there's an automatic assumption in a lot of cases yes. that like, oh man, if I encounter black people, they're gonna look at me as a white person. I want to denounce that I have white privilege because because black people hate me for that.
1: Yeah, I. I think from, and from my perspective, I started getting messages from friends apologizing, sincerely apologizing for what was showing and being shown and demonstrated, and also apologizing for the looting. It was on all kinds of levels, but I had friends that were started, started slow, but it just picked up pace that started just hitting me and communicating, and I heard their heart and I felt their heart. And the heart is, I want change, I wanna help. So I had to read that from a different lens. If I had the same perspective in my heart that I felt that I'm underprivileged, I would not be able to receive the love that they were trying to share.
0: Do you think, that, do you think the privilege for you, for not, not from a systematic standpoint, but from an internal system standpoint, is that where the faith intersects for you? Like God in your life speaking to your identity louder than your external speaking to your identity?
1: Yes. It's, it, I, because I'm a Christian and I love Christ and he grabbed my heart, I can't hold what would motivate someone else. So my perspective has to change because I'm in love with him. And something has happened inside of me to the place where I was talking to my wife, like, have I been around this so long that it doesn't affect me? And I was trying, and if something was trying to come on me, like, you should do something. I should feel a certain way. But all along, I heard God say, be still. There's enough voices and enough chatter going out all over the airwaves, I'm, I want you to listen to me in this and find me in this because I have to find him in that because everything else is noise and has an agenda. Yeah. And that, that's even, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir something, that's even with the black culture. There's an agenda. And I might make someone upset at me but I uh, I hurt for what's happened. But I won't let an agenda behind that stop me from loving another man. I can't.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. I think. I think what you're speaking to is each one of us has a unique, we've walked a unique pathway and journey to get to where we're sitting. Correct. Like, say, you and I in our lives. And I think... I, I could do this. I could I can look at someone I can be as prejudiced toward a white person as I could a black person and this yeah. is what I mean. So I'm just we're gonna be transparent here. Sometimes like certain signs, symbols, certain things that that may allude to a certain buy-in to the system of racism. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to really choose my words carefully.
1: (laughs) Um, We're going to get something, some kickback. Yeah, I'm going
0: to say something (laughs) wrong. Uh, But I can be prejudiced toward that person thinking, like, gosh, you probably think such and such about me because of my relationship with my wife or you think such and such about someone who is a person of color in America or Mm -hmm. whatever. But conversely, someone, they could be looking to me, and as far as I know, they could be living the same life in terms of diversity that I am. And I think what we have to be careful of is not prescribing, Jeff, you're black, this is exactly what your response needs to be. Mm-hmm. Pat, you're white. This is exactly what your response needs to be. Stay
1: in your lane. Don't mix. That's right. Don't mix. Stay in your lane. And the reason why the system wants us to stay in our lane, because they love division. They love when it's separated. They love because they want to segregate us and control our thinking. Because if they control your mind and your heart, they can control your actions, your buying habits, and all of everything that goes along with the system. But something in the Bible in Revelation says the kingdoms of this world, the systems of this world have now become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And he will rule forever. So this system has a place for Jesus to rule. It has its place but it doesn't have a place in here. As long as it doesn't have a place between you and I in here and you and I out there, then it can't rule us.
0: So, you know, as you and I talk, like I think that speaks directly to, if I respond out of my whiteness or you respond out (laughs) of your blackness, (laughs) you think how blunt, like me and Jeff are just blunt. If you, (laughs) if, if I respond out of my whiteness or you respond out of your blackness, sure. <laughs> I think we get into trouble because we haven't allowed Jesus to come into those attributes that we carry and yes. allow him to respond. Yes, sir. So yeah. what we end up doing is, is we end up responding the way the system wants us to respond. Yes. So are you guys catching that in here? Are you understanding? So like, I think, like I've talked to friends that are black and right now they're like, bro, I have like other black friends hitting me up and yeah. are questioning me for not being in the streets protesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like that's, that's the action that I'm supposed to take. Correct. However, this is the action that I'm taking that my friends, by the way, aren't taking. Yes. I, I, I think what it comes down to is, is we should all be moved to act and stand against the system. But we need to ask Jesus to come into our heart and infect infect us just responding out of our whiteness or blackness yes because if we just stay in our white lanes and our black lanes that's called segregation and we could we could so here's the i'm going to say something that's trippy we could stay in our white lanes and black lanes and be working toward the same goal but never achieve it because we never got together and and saw the full power of what we could achieve standing shoulder to shoulder
1: that's right that's absolutely correct. So I
0: feel like it's, it's, there, there's, some, there's some spiritual systems here that are working. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask the question, God, where are you at in this? Yes. If we want to dismantle. Again, this is a very complex system yes. that has been built over 400 years. 2019 was 400 years. The first 20 slaves that were brought um, to America uh, were in 1619. It was 400 years. So this is a complex system that's been built for 400 years. Mm -hmm. Don't think for a second that we're going to solve this in 40 minutes. No. Right? And so we have to work in all of the micro pieces of this system. We have to begin dismantling it and asking Jesus to infiltrate. And I personally believe that some of you that are watching... Have a specific calling on your life to be a dismantling piece. Come on, that's good. To certain aspects of the system of racism. Go there. And some of your friends are called to dismantle other pieces of it. But the moment we start pointing fingers at each other and saying, "Why aren't you dismantling my piece?" It's because, like, bro, Because I'm a left hand. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I can only slap the right side of the face because I'm left-handed. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're the right hand, you need you need to like. I almost said a word I shouldn't. It's something slap. You need to do that to the left side of the face, yes. right? So it's like you got to slap your part. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is where Jeff and I start getting comfortable. It's gonna be over.
1: You know, one of the things I want to share uh, that popped up inside as you were talking is th- my father and, and Mr. Coleman and my dad. They fought in the, the, my dad was a a three-time Vietnam, he went to the Vietnam War three times, three years. He's a five-time Purple Heart. He gave his life to show me a better way. If you say the N-word around my dad, who is 78 years young, he will look at you with a disdain because that word meant something different to him in the 1960s, but we use it, our culture uses it so loosely. And something in the Bible, I was telling Pat about this is that we need to remember the old landmarks. What my father showed me was diversity wins, but it takes hard work.
0: So so I want you to say, I want you to say that again. Diversity wins, but what? It takes hard work. Because Amen. my father showed me, in my
1: generation, that working hard is the best way to get things done. Don't, there's something that I say, don't talk about it, be about it. I don't need to hear how much, okay, I don't, I don't need to hear how much you're trying to do something, show me you're trying to do something. And that's the difference. If you go on social media, All of a sudden, everyone has a video. They want to express something. There's nothing wrong with that. But after about the third or fourth day, they're using it for the wrong reason. You don't need to pop up a video or anything like that. I don't want to talk about it. Be about it. Be the change. Find a way to learn something new so you can have diversity in a bigger way.
0: You said something that struck a chord just now. Um, you were talking about your dad, yeah, and you alluded to this. You, you went by his house the other day, yeah, and it was right when all this the, everything was breaking with George Floyd. yeah. And you said that when you walked in, he he was eating some food, and he looked up and he saw. The video. He, he saw
1: the news and he saw the video and he saw the news
0: and um, what did he say
1: i i make my breakfast with my dad he had a stroke almost two and a half years ago champion marine he he's really good so every morning by six o'clock i go there and every evening i go but this morning i went i started doing my routine he was already up and the news was on and the video was on if my dad practiced his speech was slurred because of the stroke But if he practiced and slows down, you can understand him. As I sat at the table, my father seen the eyes of the police officer. And when my dad began to speak, it was not slurred. It was crystal clear. He said, I recognize those eyes. I recognize those eyes. Those are the same eyes on a different person in 1967. He says, you, this thing is trying to bring confusion. You need to tell Symphony, his granddaughter, Carice, his granddaughter, that they need to fight the confusion because there's no difference. Those are the same eyes that pulled me over, pulled your mom over in 1967. And it's coming back around to bring confusion. That's its main objective.
0: And then he said something to the effect of, it might be a new day, but it's the same devil. It's the same devil. He said it's the it, it's a new day, but that is the
1: same devil. And I know those eyes.
0: And he wasn't like he wasn't like you know Malcolm X calling no. him the white dude the devil. That's no. not what he was just to be no. I, I want to be clear if you guys have a point of reference for what I just said. No. That's not what he was saying. He no. so here's what's crazy. Your dad was like clarity in his speech and and you when you and I talked about it. Yeah we both felt like whoa, due the weight of what he said because as parents, as fathers yes. of, for me, young women, for you, I can say young men and women, um, we have this younger generation that is living underneath this air of confusion that produces powerlessness and hopelessness. Correct. So here's what's interesting. One of the biggest things that I'm hearing from people right now mm-hmm. In, in everything that we see going on in the news is, uh, I don't know what to do. I feel confused. Mm-hmm. Like, paralyzed. Yes. And the conversations go something like, yeah, I like, I don't know if I should post something or not post something. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid if I post something, like, it'll be the wrong thing. And then I'm going to offend, like, my friends who are black or, you know, you know, conversely, I'm having conversations with black people that I'm close to that are like, man, there's so much that I want to say, but I'm being conscious and I don't want to offend. So I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And now I feel I feel powerless and I feel a sense of hopelessness. Right. And when your dad said that, I just felt like, man, And you and I both. Immediately, we're like, right to scripture. We're like, God is not an author of confusion. No, I mean, that's 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God's no. not an author of confusion. So we both were like, oh, if there's confusion. We know. We know that there is a spiritual system at practice here. Yes. So when your dad was saying that, it was like the system is coming around the mountain again. Yep. It wants to wrap our young generations up in this crap. Yes. And get them so confused and mainly confused about their identity. Yes. Like, you don't know who you are. And that's one of the biggest things that I found. So I was reading the same study by Barna. And it's, it's very interesting. It doesn't surprise me. But the older generation called the elders, then you have the boomers, Gen X, which is me. Then you have millennials, and you have, then you go into Gen Z. As you go down that list of generations, the closer, the, the more you go toward millennial, the millennial statistic grows to a larger degree, larger degree that slavery is still having an impact on our culture today, mm-hmm. that the church should be a part of the solution, that we need to acknowledge and we need to step into reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So I think generation, the younger generations are like, we're hungry for this, we're more open to this. They're growing up in a much more diverse mm-hmm. world. And this system is like coming back around to say, hey, we, we need to squash we need to- the power and the hope of this young generation. Yes. So you and I as dads, we stood even on Sunday, and we kind of had tears in our eyes at one moment saying, wow, this is not, this is not about me convincing or preaching or having this conversation for, don't get me wrong, I don't want you to take this out of context. Let me say it this way. This is more for the younger generation. Yes. To tell them, when you spoke about landmarks, you speak about your dad, when we speak about daddy, Yes. When your kids look at you, Mm -hmm. hopefully when my kids look at me, that they hold grandfathers and great-grandfathers and fathers and uncles and aunts as landmarks to say, we're making progress and we can stand on their shoulders and we are not going to be hopeless and we're not going to find ourselves powerless.
1: That's correct. In the
0: situation.
1: That is so good. A landmark, what came up inside of my spirit was when there's a flood and you're at sea, they look for land. And when there's all kinds of floods of thoughts and ideals and people's opinions and everything coming, We need to go back and look for land because if you find land, you can stand. If you can find land, you can build. If you find land, you can plant, you can harvest. It's a landmark, it's a mark. It's something that's been marked for your security because if you're just floating around and if you get caught up in that, it'll be an hour and you've looked at three videos and three different opinions and you're more confused than when you started.
0: And that's has, something- any, has anyone experienced what he just said? Like, I'm talking to the people. Raise your hand virtually, like, throw your hands up. But in the room, raise your hand if, if you experienced what Jeff said. So, bro, here's the thing. You and I talked about this. Yes, sir. Sh- Shandra and I were talking about this last night. Um, and then you and I talked about this today. There, there are, it's great that people are posting. Yes. I think it's great. I think it's great that people are using hashtags. I think it's great that people are saying George Floyd's name. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of other names we could say. I think it's great that people are remembering what Martin Luther King did. I think there was a lot of other people that also fought for civil rights. Yeah, Um, that's right. And so we we need to help the system teach more of that. There's some great things happening on platforms, but I feel like we're gonna keep getting bombarded and we feel like we're out of control. When, when I go onto social media, if I'm on it for too long, I feel like things are getting out of control. Can you got like in my mind, like it just feels like things just start spinning. And I think that's where the enemy wants us. Here's how we control the narrative. I think there's purpose for platform. Mm-hmm. There is. But I think there's healing in personal relationships. Come on. And we need, to, we need to understand that platforms are good for some things, but we need to stop posting and we need to be practical and we need to take things to personal relationships and personal conversations. So we need to encourage the conversation. So like you and I sitting here tonight, we're not having the talk. We're not having like, (laughs) this isn't like the dialogue. This is is a dialogue. This is hopefully, and I said this, I hope this is opening a dialogue that will get people either on either side, Mm -hmm. if, if we had to paint that picture of sides, to open dialogues in their own lives. I just feel like right now we need to get off platforms and we need to get into personal relationship. Yeah. Those platforms are going to leave us spinning
1: all the time. Have you ever noticed since we've been on this, no one's talking about COVID? Preach. (laughs) No one's talking about, I mean, we know that we know the rules six feet, You know, we know what the mask should cover. We know the rules. But no one is talking about the deaths of COVID anymore.
0: I'm wondering if... I'm not going to say it. Never mind. (laughs) I'm going to go down the whole COVID rabbit trail. I don't want to do it. No one's talking about
1: it anymore. And I understand this is another issue that we need to address as a nation, as cultures, as, 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 as people. We need to address things because it, it, it doesn't matter. It does matter that it's happening to the black race, but it could happen to a Latino race too. Yeah. What am I going to do if that happens to a Latino brother? Am, am I not going to help them because I don't have diversity in my heart? I don't recognize the truth of Christ in my heart. There's where, if you want revival, you've always preached this. If we really Want this system to change. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It takes one family, one mother speaking the truth to their children. One father standing with their daughter speaking the truth to that daughter and allowing the truth of your words, the weight of your words to make the difference. That's revival. That's how we destroy it. Little by little, little by little, home to home, house to house. It can't win. You control what's in your house. You control what shows you watch. You're in full control. Let's control the narrative with families.
0: Yeah, dude, it's so good. So good. Um, You and I had an interesting discussion around forgiveness, yeah, this was this was a heavy hitter, man. It was. So. It is. Uh, how do I frame this question? Um, Tactfully. Do do we do we what like like what like what is? Oh man. What does forgiveness look like?
1: I'm only going to speak for me. The system tried to give me an identity of broken pieces. And I was a man with a lot of broken pieces. And forgiveness, through another man in Christ, fixed my broken pieces. Helped me put the puzzle together. Forgiveness helps me... It helped me be who I am. It, it, it's helped me become who I am because forgiveness takes a risk and it takes transparency and someone was willing to show me Christ within that transparency. So with me, forgiveness looks like I have the, because someone fixed my broken pieces I can help you fix your broken pieces, and I can bring healing and forgiveness to you. And if I help you put your puzzle together, now you have a mandate to do the same. Find the broken pieces, and let's put it together. That's what it looks like to me.
0: Super fascinating. Um, I was reflecting on a poll that was taken. Mm-hmm. Um, And basically, there was a little bit of a divergence between uh, white Christians and black Christians Mm -hmm. in this study. And here's where they diverged. Um, I'm going to say it like this. The the concept of forgiving and forgetting about the offense. Right?
1: Yeah, we're going there. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the concept of forgiveness looking like reconciling and restoring relationship mm-hmm. for both black and white Christians that were polled were both almost similar. Hmm. Both were like, okay, we'll repair the relationship. Here's yeah. where they diverged. Whites were far more likely to say in this process of forgiveness, we forgive, and then we need to walk away from the last 400 years. Mm-hmm. We need to forget about it. Blacks are saying, we need to forgive, but we cannot forget. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I was like, wow. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's wrong. Like, I don't think it's wrong. I, and I'm, again, I'm trying to view it through the lens of faith. Yes. That's what you and I in yep. our conversations were like, how do we view this through the lens of faith? Yeah. And I felt like my conclusion, and then I was reading some of the scholars, some of the people that were centered around this study. One of them said something that I thought was right on, and they said, forgetting, this whole forgive and forget, forgetting sounds really close to to the black community, it sounds really close to, you need to forgive me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Jeff, we need to now hide and bury what it is that has happened. Hmm. So it sounds like forgive and hide. And to the, that's what the black community hears from the white community when the mm-hmm. white community says, when pulled, forgiveness looks like restoration and move on. Let's not talk about this anymore. Mm. Let's not, don't bring anything into the light. But I think the, I could be wrong, but as you and I were talking, I said, Jeff, does it seem like maybe the black community is saying, because these are Christians,
1: yeah. Christians, we're
0: going to forgive each other. But scripture also talks about dragging those things out into the light to expose them. Yes. So we don't need to hide them. We need to actually bring them all out. Like yes. we need to get everything out of the closet. Are you, are you guys following with what I'm saying? So it's both, both sides, if you will, are saying we want to move toward forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But forgiveness looks very different. And what we find is, so here's an, here's an interesting question then that comes up. Um, someone asked this, and you brought this up this morning on your own, unsolicited. Okay, then. If forgiveness, forgiveness, by the way, is for everybody. Yes. What about the police officer that put his knee on George Floyd's neck?
2: Hmm.
0: When you hear the term for me, black Christian,
1: white Christian, something nerves me a little bit. Because the Bible says there's neither male or female, Jew or Greek. There's no gender in the kingdom. There's no black or white. It's kingdom. His kingdom. And the Lord said something to me. He said, What was going to happen when that man who did that falls to his knees and asks the Lord Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior? What are you going to do as a black man?
0: That, that was like this morning. God, God popped that revelation he off did. the top of your head right there. He did.
1: Because my response, what are we? We're Christians. And a mature Christian because they've been forgiven, can't hold that unforgiveness towards that man or woman because you have been forgiven. Now, that's going to make some folks mad because they think I forgot what they did. You don't forget what they've done. You can't. What you do is God does something in your heart because forgiveness opens the door and stretches forth the hand. That's the key because something God is going to do something in this. And if he does, if that man falls to his knees and says, I need your Lord, Lord, I need you now, who am I as a man to hold that over him? And especially as a black man, I know what it feels like to be black because at five years old, I tried to wash it off in the tub. And my mom says, you're black boy. It never washes off because I thought I was dirty.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's some but you you're like and we like, and so here's the thing, Jeff and I laugh about this kind of stuff. But you guys, do you know why Jeff I'm going to take this back to the to the genesis of our conversation. My my this is my perspective. I think there and I that's not the first time I've heard that from a black male. Yes. Okay. So it's crazy that that's not the first time I've heard that. That is proof to me Mm -hmm. that our little boys and our little girls are being born into a system that is telling them something's wrong. Something is wrong with you. People look at you different. You don't get the same service when you walk into the restaurant. When you go to the Lexus dealership and you're going to buy that car and you make $250,000 a year, you better dress really nice because they're not going to think that you're there to purchase a car and that you have the credit. These are real, like, these are real stories. This is real life. It is this real is life. the system yes. that is telling a five-year-old little boy, I'm going to get in the bath and scrub like heck.
1: Yes, and my mama was like,
0: you're you know and ma- and thank you for mama. <laughs> yes. That is like child. Let me save you. It never comes <laughs> off. Like
1: bro. You're a beautiful
0: black boy. Yeah. And I I <laughs> I just I feel like I feel like if we don't so th- I'm speaking right now to any listener um who is not a person of color. I feel like if we don't allow, the, if you don't allow the people around you to grieve mm-hmm. in the process of grieving, and so what I specifically mean is is that forgiveness needs to happen, but in the process, I know that in the grieving process, there, there is an unpacking. And if we don't allow the black community to unpack 400 years of trying to scrub their skin.
2: Yes.
1: Ooh. he just got hot in here.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. A 400 years of telling, like I, I, I want to tell, like 400 years of telling black women that you need to go through the painful and strenuous job of straightening your hair. Mm. Because this is what the system says is going to give you the most privilege with right if we don't allow the black community to unpack those things to bring them out figuratively into the street and say here's all the junk not to say to me as a white man i want you to feel the guilt and the shame mm
2: mm-hmm
0: but I just need to see it all to unpack it. And and, if we don't get everything out of the closet, if we don't leave this closet completely turned upside down and empty, we run the risk of allowing a piece of the system to stay hidden and not get changed.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So we need the closet empty.
1: That's correct.
0: Because now we can see all the play.
1: That's correct. And it goes both ways. Here's a story for you. I was telling Pat, <laughs> I used to travel and do real estate training with one of the best real estate trainers, and we happened to be in Atlanta. It goes both ways. We went to the mall in Atlanta. I think it's Lexington Mall. And I was with a white colleague. Her name, I'll leave it. And we were having lunch. Because I recognize things, and I've been black my whole life, I know You get triggered. You know when people are watching.
0: You know the look.
1: You know the look. Yeah. We're having lunch. She has no idea. And the majority of people that were sitting in the mall were black. And they were looking at me and my colleague with so much hatred because she was with a black man. And the thought is there's nothing wrong with that because being with a man having lunch but the fact is, in their mind, how is these white women taking our black men? You see the perspective? It, it brings so much division even in that. All we were doing, we've been working 8 to 12 hours. We were having a meal. And when her eyes were open, she goes, I never knew. This is her, her words. I never knew how what felt to be you until that happened to me. We want empathy. We want to understand. If you want to understand, we were talking about this, don't come with a lot of words. Just come into the room and stand there. Pray with me. Pray for me. Pray with me. Stand with me. You, mean, you don't need to understand. You don't need to say anything. I just need to know You're here. And if you're here, you matter. Because it's a tough time for some of us. That's all we need. We don't need a lot of upchuckers. Just talk, 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 talk. I just need to know you're there. And if you're there, we're going to get through it
0: together. Yeah. Amen. Is Is this helping? I don't. I don't know if it's helping. I just feel like you and I, <laughs> dude. Honestly, I just feel like we're at a family gathering. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. We're I just mean,
0: like sitting having conversations that we, our family gets in engaged in conversations, bro. That I'm just like, how did I end up in this family? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the odd white guy out. So, um, above it all, yeah. Um, I'm gonna talk about some. I, Okay, now, Jeff and I don't have, like, the, sol- the solution to racism or race no. relations. We can only talk in the construct of our life, our life together, yeah. what we've experienced together, yeah. what our families experienced, mm-hmm. who is a very diverse family. Oh,
1: my gosh. Right? <laughs> yes. I kiss your mom as a son.
0: Yeah. Janet like-
1: Lynch sees me as her son because I kiss her on the cheek. And when she walks in this church, she turns her cheek, waiting for the kiss. Yeah. It's diversity
0: wins. I love that. More, more than she does me. <laughs> she got a sweet tooth, bro. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> I think we should bring some more diversity in the house. You know, my mama's single. We got to find her a good looking man that is of a darker complexion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my lord, that was so good. My, my, my. What, one of my brother-in-laws. One of our brother-in-laws. Yes. Um, I think one of the best things. So, like, here, here's some things we're going to talk about. Some things that I think you can do practically. Come on. so here's a big question. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of the conversation. I think the people that I'm talking to, white individuals, are like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, man, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I called my one black friend, and I told them how sorry I was. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I want to be like, hey, homie, like, did you know that, like, the other 70 white people that have that dude as their one black friend also called him? <laughs> can, I, can I just be real? Yeah, it's real. It's real. Okay. So we have this poor one, this one dude who is, like, get 70 phone calls. The
1: black ambassador.
0: Right. And then, like, you represent all blackness. Yeah. And, and they're, like, I'm so sorry for, like, my ancestors. And, and I think it's well-intended, and it's good, and I've done it, right, sure. people around me that I love. And I think it's well-intended, but understand... It's very awkward, so we're, this is, I'm gonna make this conversation awkward, okay? Again, when, see, when, when my, I remember when my dad died, I was 18 years old, and I remember having people come into our house, and they'd be like, I'm so sorry, you know, and I'm like, cool, thanks. And then you get like those random people that come in and they're like, I'm so sorry, and they start bawling, crying. And then I'm like consoling this person and I'm like, this is awkward because it's not your dad. Yeah. But I'm wiping your tears away. Mm. And it seems selfish of you now that I think of it. That like somehow it almost seems like you feel like your pain is greater than mine. And you're putting the burden on my shoulders to have to console you. Is this making sense? So my perspective is, now you, and dude, you can slap me. <laughs> but my perspective is, I think your response from myself as a white individual is to be measured. Because you said something. Yeah. I don't need a lot of this. I yeah. just need to know that you're standing with me. I would say personally, please don't do that to your black friend. Mm-hmm. It's awkward for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that a true statement?
1: It is. And because, um, especially if I don't have a relationship, like because um, I heard from a lot of great people uh, from our church here, uh, and it, it uplifted me because I was in more of a deeper relationship.
0: Yeah, and it's not negative.
1: No, it's not negative at all. But then, you know, I have had some college buddies and people I went to church with that saw me at a conference. I was getting a lot of different things and they're coming in different levels. And it got to the place where I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to respond. And you get kind of numb to it and you get not resistant, but you you just get numb all the way around. And... I, I guess you have to have it in perspective. It goes back to the relationship. I have such a beautiful relationship with this man here. This man I would do anything for, whether it didn't, would matter if he was what color he's in. So much respect I have for him. And now my brother-in-law is my pastor. Ooh, that's hot. I like that. There's something about that. Look at him. He looks good, right? <laughs> He does. My point is this. It goes back to my heart. How much relationship do I have with those who are reaching out? If I have a good relationship with you, it's well received because we have relational equity. You can't take something out of the bank account that you haven't put in. (laughs) So I, I receive all things that are coming because it's coming from God. But the things that stick you hold because there's equity with
0: it. So I would say, I mean, would you agree, like, I think to the people and <laughs> the lighter-complected community, <laughs> um, don't stop with the love. No, don't. But understand, again, this is all about understanding, by the way. Um, but please understand that it can be a little bit awkward. It's a little bit overwhelming. hmm um, and again, I haven't talked to one person in my life mm-hmm. that's black that's like, "I hate white people for reaching out to me." That's not what that's not what's being discussed. It's just, man, this is very awkward. It is, and I and I and I think it's worth having the awkward conversation about it. It is. It's like asking (laughs) that girl to dance in the seventh grade
1: and you just don't know what to do. Yeah. What do I say? You remember 9-11? Who can forget that? But weren't we giving racism and looking at Middle Easterns, blaming them when they walked into the room, like they had something to do with 9-11?
0: Bro, when they went to the airport.
1: Yes, Come on, right. reverse racism. Racism, again, he preached about it, Ministers about power. It's the powers. It's a spiritual battle that's played out in our hearts and our minds. In 9-11, they had nothing to do with that. But when they walked in airports, when we went through airports living our regular lives, it became evident what was in your heart when you seen someone of that nationality. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hashtag, can I get an amen?
0: I'm going to get to some questions here in a second. So if you okay. guys have questions online, if you have questions, um, jump on those. I'm going to get some questions in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover all this because I think... Please do. I think the covering for all of this, you know, my wife and I, Shander, were talking about this, and um, you and I had talked about this earlier, that... Um, I'm, going to read, I'm just going to read these scriptures because okay. I think Sweet. this is going to explain itself. But really, we need to cover all these things. Um, Mark 12, says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him. Now, one of the teachers of the law came. So there was these Sadducees that were asking Jesus. They're trying to pin Jesus down. Let me say it another way. The system... was trying to overrule what Jesus was attempting to bring. That's good. Okay? When we attempt to revive, reconcile, and redeem things, the spiritual system that's been set up since the beginning of creation through sin always attempts to overthrow everything that we do. So good. And Jesus gives an answer to this. They say of all the commandments, which is the most important? Hmm. They're trying to trip him up, right? He goes, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, and there's no commandment greater than these. This idea of love is very interesting. I felt like the word that the Lord gave us tonight, Jeff and I were talking about this, is um, I think one of the things that I am apprehensive about is that when all of this dies down over George Floyd, We're going to deal with the issue of George Floyd, but we're not going to press into the progress that we need to make in dismantling the system of racism. This is about George Floyd.
1: Yeah. A father.
0: But the bigger picture is that this is about breaking a system. Yeah. And so I feel like much like the Sadducees to Jesus, that this is a, this is a power struggle of systems, that Jesus' answer to system overthrow was love. Yes. And I'm, I'm not oversimplifying. And I don't, I don't want anyone to hear this and oversimplify this. Like, I think we need to. I, I think we need to protest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I, I would highly encourage... Everybody in our church, if you feel like that's something that you are like, man, I can do that, I think we all need to take to the street and protest. I think there's a way to do that peacefully. I think we need to prove that protests can be done peacefully and not feed the system that every protest means there's going to be violence. Yeah. I had people messaging me. We had a protest right by my house the other night. People messaging my wife and, and people messaging me, anticipating, presuming that since there was going to be protest by Cal State San Marcos, that there was going to be violence. Like people online saying, well, I'm ready for it. Not like I'm, 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 ready, I'm ready to stand in solidarity with people of color, I'm ready for it. I have weapons to defend my home. Right. I welcome them into my neighborhood. In my neighborhood, with my wife and children of color, these are systems of power, and I, I think it demands a practical response. It does. And so I, I don't want anyone to hear what Jeff and I are saying and going, Man, I, I listen to these two dudes, and, and their <laughs> solution was you just got to love each other. Hear my heart. Yeah. Get out on the street. Mm -hmm. If if there's not, I mean, honestly, like today I was talking to to somebody and we were like, man, we wish there was like a greater organized protest even in San Marcos, like Mm -hmm. close to home. This is where we live. And immediately the Lord was like, why don't you organize one? Right. And I was like, well, and he's like, there it is. You know what? So here's the deal. You know, like, there's pastors in the city of San Marcos that I want to be able to have conversations with, to be able to call our congregation into, to be able to take to the street and say, do you know, for too long, the church has been complicit in the system of racism? The KKK? And we wonder why churches on Sunday morning are still segregated? Because so much hurt has been born out of a man holding a Bible to protect his perverted version of supremacy that no man should hold over another human being. Mm. That's a system. Yeah. So I, I think we need to step out and do practical things. But here's the thing. It cannot be done outside Outside of or without love. Jesus isn't saying, just just, love, just, just hug people, bro, yeah. and say, I love you. Yeah. Send them a sweet it'll, text with those little heart emojis.
1: It'll go away.
0: It'll go away. <laughs> That's not what Jesus did. Jesus stepped in, didn't he? He did. Jesus protested. In fact, he he protested to the point of his death.
1: He did. Are you willing to die for what you
0: believe? I mean, this is the level that we're at. These are yeah. th- this is th- this is not this is not a Republican Democrat issue. Come on, this is not a Christian non-Christian issue. This is a humanitarian issue. Yes. And we need to bind all these things together in love. Yeah. I told Jeff. I felt like the Lord. What the Lord said to me is, um, your black brothers and sisters don't need a guilt offering. They need a love offering. And I could take to the street out of guilt because I feel bad. Mm-hmm. And that will be momentary. It will last for a split second. But when it's rooted in this loyal love that God is calling us to in Mark, yeah. that he calls us to in 1 Corinthians 13, Come on, this is what it says. You and I said this. I said, Jeff, what can I do? And you said, just keep standing with me. Yep. And I asked you, I said, does it make a difference if I'm willing to stand with you and I'm willing to walk with you? Like, Mm -hmm. I could stand, but as you begin to walk through, yeah. I could just stay standing.
1: Yeah. If, if you're willing to stand, that's one thing. That's good. But if you're willing to walk with me, that's even better. Because it's action. It's now your talk has feet. <laughs> now your love has movement. And when you move something, I can move a heavy object by myself in certain situations. I probably could move the same heavy object with your help by walking right alongside me.
0: Yeah. It's bearing the burden. Yes, sir. It is. Even, even though what it is I'm moving, I didn't place it there, Mm-mm. personally. No. You didn't. You know.
1: Some of these systems were born into. It, like my... I said earlier in the, today, my parents wanted me out the South because of the perspective. They wanted me out of that system. And they wanted me in diversity. And that's why my family is diverse. If you've seen our family, <laughs> <laughs> diversity is there because we have one common goal. You matter right where you are. You may be going through the worst thing in your life, but I'm going to stand with you in that worst thing because losing one of our brother-in-laws almost ripped us apart. That ripped me to this day. Ken Elderts is my brother-in-law. And when he passed, I was glad that I had family to stand with me. You see what I'm saying? That is love in action. If we're going to do this, I'd rather do it together. To show the world it can be done because the system is pointing at all of us yeah. here yeah. online you can 't move this <laughs> you can 't do that. we have to do it together go ahead pat
0: no dude i think I think that was I think it's good um, i 'm going to read this really quickly, and then are there questions there is a, a question oh a question okay um, that I think we <laughs> You know, here's the here's the thing. I think I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this is a tough topic for people to be. It's just tough to be vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, to be real, it, it's hard. I told Shandra this morning I didn't want to show up and do this. <laughs> I told. We talked about it.
1: Yeah, I know. I understand.
0: I and think. I and I I was like I, I like walked. I just went for a run. I just went and ran <laughs> six miles. And I was like, I don't want to go this morning. I don't want to go this evening, I don't want to sit down and talk with Jeff about this, I don't want to talk about racism, I don't want to talk about him being black, I don't want to talk about me being white, I don't want to talk about systems, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about any of it. Right? And so I think sometimes it's hard because we hear it and I want to be fair and say that for the most part, I can almost guarantee you that a lot of what you're hearing, you're absorbing. And you're processing. And so um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions afterwards. I believe so too. You know, that will be good. Yeah. People might feel better asking those questions. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter in Corinthians on love. Love. This is the love chapter. Love, love. Um, and in verse 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind. Uh, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Man, I just wanna say something about self-seeking. When uh, somebody asked, how can I support my black friends and family during this time in word and truth, acknowledging true and real challenges that are being faced? Question mark. Yes, you can acknowledge them. I think that's a great way. I also feel like, and Jeff, tell me, I want to hear from you on this. In this passage, it says, love is not self-seeking. Self-seeking may sound like this. Um, you know, I understand that the black community has gone through that, but you don't know what I've gone through. Is that self-seeking? I, I'm. What do you think?
1: Um, simply because if it's not about you, it's about the other person.
0: It's about that. That's what this this part of love, not being self seeking, means. What you just said. Yes, it's about the other person. the The only way Jesus was
1: able to demonstrate to the apostles that love was everlasting. He washed Judas's feet. Even though he knew that he was going to be betrayed by Judas, he loved Judas to the end. And I think that's what, (laughs) that was a great demonstration right there. It wasn't self-seeking. He went, it was always love with Christ. No matter what it was, he showed love. So it has to be about the other person. It can't be.
0: Yeah, Jesus never said, um, I'm not willing to go to the cross for you. Yeah, he did. Because he do you know what you did to me? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I've experienced? <sighs> Three years of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think that's a hard one. That's good. Um, so love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Mm. It keeps no record of wrongs. Um, I feel like, dude, I'm just gonna say this. <laughs> I feel like this issue of keeping record of wrongs when it comes to race relations is wild. Yeah. Because this is this is how the confusion and the argument goes online, and it's usually online. Just so you know, someone posts something. Said person from another race posts. In response, well, that wouldn't happen if this didn't happen. The person who originally posted, that happened because this happened first. Well, this happened first before that happened first. You have two parties who are never going to find reconciliation because they're both keeping record of wrongs. Now, at some point, yeah. I feel like we're supposed to, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to model Jesus. Jesus stepped in and said, you may keep record of wrongs, Pat, yeah. but I'm not going to keep record of wrongs. So what I'm saying is that I'm going to step into the situation and I'm going to say to you, Jeff, Jeff, I could come up with 20 reasons to combat what you're saying that we could go back and forth on yeah. and we could volley this, but I'm going to choose to not keep record of wrongs and just simply say, I'm going to stand with you. Ooh. I'm going to stand in justice. Come on. I'm going to stand in love. You see the difference? That takes a lot of humility. Jesus modeled that humility to us. He did. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna preach. I'm gonna do it. Love does not delight preach. in evil but rejoices with truth. What's the truth in the situation? Ooh, what is on. the truth right now when it comes to racism? The truth is that Jeff as a human being and a creation of God was born in equality with me. Maybe not into the system, but that just means that as brothers, they can stand, now we can stand in equality together and we can dismantle the system. But if the system can keep us feeling unyoked, we can't dismantle the system.
1: Come on. That's good.
0: So it doesn't delight with evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It doesn't fail, never. Okay? And it goes on, talks about prophecy and knowledge. And at the very end of this chapter, it says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what our country needs right now. It needs faith. Hope. And we need hope. And love. And we need love. And it's no coincidence that it says "But the greatest of these three is love. We have to be willing to step in. We have to somehow step in and love each other. Yeah. Um, so someone asked, if someone's not comfortable protesting, what are some other practical steps to dismantling the system? I have some that I can, I can think of. Can you think of any? I want to give you a chance to take a shot at this. I think protesting is a very obvious one, you know? So, we- wear your COVID mask while you unmask racism. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an outbreak. Uh,
1: if, I, if I thought of any other practical things that you can do um, is learn why we're protesting. Yeah, education. Education. The Bible says with all you're getting, get understanding. When you, It's just not understanding in knowledge. It's understanding in heart, in spirit, to where you feel what they feel to some degree. And now you have a full understanding. You know, it's like a woman giving birth. A man can never understand that until... He sees his wife giving birth, and then you can understand it. So you have to be able to feel it on a different level. So get some understanding.
0: Bro, that's a deep perspective. Like, you and I are never going to birth a baby. Nope. But we were with our wives when they birthed babies. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but first time I saw my wife birth a baby, I was like, all right, women are superheroes. Men can barely handle colds and like a splinter. (laughs) You're a beast like, yes. and I get like you, like, you come into the house, you better worry about daddy, but you really want to worry? You watch out for mama, you know what I mean? So I think there's something about in terms of race saying, you know, I may not know what it's like to bear what you bear as a black man mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. but just like I can walk with my wife through that experience and be there for her, yeah. I can walk with you and be there.
1: Yes. That's Is a similar,
0: good. That's is the way that I would, I would probably say it. Um, there's a quote on love that uh, one, of the, one of the women who were part of the study that I just read says, there can be no racial reconciliation if love is absent. Otherwise, it's just radical or racial tolerance.
1: That's all it is.
0: Without love, we're just tolerating each other. Yep. It's just racial tolerance. We have to have love. Um, I thought that was great. When when I read that, I was like, man, that's that is good. That's some craziness right there. Um I'm reading this. I'm I'm reading these to get context before I say them out loud. Um, <laughs> you... Okay. How would you approach people that you know on a personal level? So we're not talking about people that are posting things, but like on a personal level. How would you approach people you know on a personal level that continue thinking all police officers are bad? Mm. In the last few days, six officers were killed and four of them were minorities.
1: Well, I've been fortunate enough to have a brother-in-law who was a police officer in the Oceanside. Uh, Who was black. Who was black. James Michael is my brother-in-law. Um... All, all in his and believe it or not he arrested and now that's another story anyway other story bro <laughs> i don't want to give all my secrets but anyway dude <laughs> he he was one of the ones that got me on the right track all i would say this you have to judge a tree by its fruit because i seen good fruit in james michael I can't say that all officers are bad. I can't. Because I only can judge a tree or a person by the fruits that they bear. And I don't need, you know a a mean or evil person when they walk up on you. You don't need an angel to come down and say that's evil. You feel it. You know right from wrong.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think on a practical level, yeah. You know, even helping like so education, like education yeah. teaches me that not all not all cops are bad. No. Right? Not all not all black people are bad. Are rappers. Anyway. Are rappers. <laughs> not, I can't rap, dude. <laughs> not not all not all white people are racist. Right. You know, do you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think what you're saying is really it's 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 beneficial, it's good. And the way that we change, so I'm going to talk about how to change perspectives real quick. How do you change perspectives? Um, and this is something that our brother-in-law, James Michael, just today, we have this family text thread that's interesting at times. Hmm. Um, and it's all of, there's five siblings to my wife's family. And then it's got Jeff and me and my sister-in-law, Julie. Shout out to Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, for holding it down with me in the yes. family gatherings, um, and James Michael is sending the text in the text, and he, and he said this very interesting. Um, he was talking about some stuff, and then he said uh, something that his dad he said, "Daddy once told me, so this was his father who we affectionately call daddy. He said, "Daddy once told me, "Boy, if you want to make change, you need to do it from the inside mm." And James Michael went on to become a police officer in Oceanside, the town he grew up in. And, and I would dare say really created a lot of change in the he did. city. He did doors. a lot.
1: He opened doors. As an
0: officer and um, maintained a level of empathy, wanted to become a police officer because he wanted to help people, and that's yes. who he is. Yeah. Like, everyone that knows him, like, yeah. that's who he is. And I am very thankful for God putting that in him. Um, and... I think to change perspective, you have to listen to what daddy said, and you have to get into the inside. Yes. And so when I get to know more people of color, I start understanding more people of color. If I know more police officers, I start to understand more police officers. Yes. Um, and that can be applied in a lot of different ways. That's good. Um, fear is the absence of knowing. Mm. And I think when I know you, yeah. I'm not afraid of you when you walk into the room. If I ran into Jeff in a dark alley, I wouldn't be afraid of him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a joke, but I'm not going to say it. Don't
0: say it. I wouldn't be afraid of Jeff if I ran into him. D- but, but you know why? Because we got the inside scoop on each other. There's a relationship. Yeah. There's a knowing. If I have no experience with police officers, or if I have, let me say this, if I have no experience with people of color other than what I do, this, this is a whole other hour. I'm not going to get into this. Jeff and I could go on forever having this conversation. So if all I know about black people in America are sitcoms, music, and entertainment, I am wildly misled by how black communities operate, run, and our living life. Would you agree? Yes. And that leads to stereotypes. And we then start walking. Do do you guys see how this... And do you see how this supports the system?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If if I can just fill your brains with media that is telling a one-sided story you don't know anything other than that about the black community. Mm-mm. So it's mind-boggling when we see, you know, the lead role in a movie who is a black man or woman who is educated and speaks well for themselves. Because what 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 I've heard, Jeff... You've probably heard this. I know that my wife has heard this, is like, well, you're not really, like, black, black. Like, because you, you, you know, you're educated and you speak well.
1: Yeah, I've heard that.
0: Has anyone ever heard that in the room? Or they tell me, you don't sound You don't black. sound black. And I'm like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why? Be, well, because all's, the only perspective that I have is fill in the blank. Yeah. Okay? Media or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um one more question, okay? They keep coming in. How do we recognize the system around us so that we can be a part of changing it? Um and this person said, I'm thinking about local and federal government policies and laws, but also unconscious biases that exist. Great question. Oh, this great. I have I have something for that good i don 't want to be the expert on race relations I, w- <laughs> I, w- I want to hear I want to hear what you think. What are some things one of some of the things that uh, that they're asking is
1: um, I learned so much by serving in a capacity mm-hmm. in those those agencies. You can go serve in those agencies and you 'll get a feel of what people are going through, yeah, what they're experiencing. You'll also hear the flow of voices that come against what they stand on as truth. If you're willing to serve in that area, uh, whatever agency or whatever they were, were speaking on, you'll get a, a different perspective because you have what they call skin in the game. Hmm. You have something to add and you're receiving something from yeah. it. That's the, probably the best way to do it. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you have a different answer.
0: No, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I just want to speak to, so the 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 first part of the question was how do we recognize the system around us so that we can be part of changing it? I think mm-hmm. we have to talk about the faces of racism and the sure. system. So we established in the beginning, and I said, racism is a system. And just because, racism racism is more than the conscious hate or slavery. So what we do is, so here I, so this is what I would say. I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate black people. And slavery doesn't exist. So I'm not, I'm not complicit or participating in racism. I'm not racist. And, you know, I don't have a prejudice bone in my body, which anyone who says that immediately is not telling the truth because every single one of us has prejudice. We do. Let's just admit that. Okay. We do. Racial and non-racial. But... How to recognize the system, mm-hmm. it's understand. So, this is two part one, education, education, education. Yes. Um, Netflix, uh, there's something called 13th, it has to do with the 13th Amendment. I would highly recommend watching it. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Mm-hmm. My wife and I watched it when it came out a year and a half ago or so. Um, read books. And so, here's what I'll do to help I will get a hold of some lists of people. Uh, that That's I have seen um, influencers that have said, hey, here's a great list of books, uh, TV shows, movies, um, literature to read that I think would be really helpful to gain edu- you know, an education and knowledge because it's going to give you the perspective yeah. and you're going to be able to see it easier. When, you have a, when you're blind to something, you don't know what you're blind to.
1: That's right. So
0: I think education is really the answer. Yeah. Because once you're educated, you're no longer blind to it. That's right. When Jeff was talking earlier, like he's out to lunch with this woman, it was like the moment that those scales fell off her eyes and she was like, oh, we're not having lunch. No. Jeff's <laughs> like, we need to go. Yes, now. Right? Why? Because. He held the perspective, she hadn't seen it before, and then she was like, I see it. So I think education's important. Understand that faces of racism look like hate, privilege, apathy, um, limited, or or portions of access or ignorance. So if we're gonna combat ignorance, if ignorance is part of the system of racism, how do you combat that education? Mm -hmm. You have to educate yourself. By the way, it's the number one reason why um, we oftentimes We'll see, and this is a whole nother topic, man. The educational system is, the, not the education system as a, as a whole, but it's intertwined with the social and economic system in America. But what it does, it ends up feeding an educational system that puts people of color at a disadvantage when it comes to education. The number one way to hold power over people is to keep them uneducated.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so. We're, we want to educate people. Yes. So I would say education is huge. My wife just sent me a text message with a list of books to read and things nice. to watch.
1: Look at that. So,
0: of course, she's the educated one. Of course. <laughs> so, here's what we're going to do we're going to wrap up. Um, and if there's no other questions, uh, it's <laughs> thank you, honey. Um, she's telling me which, whose Instagram she got it from. Here's some things you can do practically. Follow um, black influencers on social media that are doing a really good job right now, okay? Um, follow activists yes. that are doing a really good job right now, okay? That's going to help education. That's going to be huge. Uh, I'm going to give some shout-outs right now. Um, I'm going to say... One of the biggest families that I'm a champion of are Glenn and Yvette Henry, who go to our church. Yeah. Glenn and Yvette have a YouTube channel called Belief in Fatherhood. And they do a phenomenal job of talking about these issues. Follow their channel. Yeah. Follow it. Glenn and Yvette... Glenn specifically is just very, very, very transparent. And to a fault sometimes, probably. And I think you're going to get a great perspective in love. Like, Glenn's awesome. Um, Follow him on Instagram. I think Belief Mel Mm
2: -hmm. is
0: his Instagram handle. Follow him on Instagram. Um, I will say this. Don't bombard Glenn and Yvette with 101 questions. Chandra got this list off of his Instagram. So follow him on his Instagram. I'll actually forward this as well to make sure that everyone has it. We can put it in as a link to our show notes or something. Um, I think following them would be great. Um, there's a list of books and shows that you can watch that I think are, are worth your the watch, time yes. to watch and to, mm-hmm. to take a look at. Um, I think we're done. Oh, cool, something else. <laughs> the team's giving instruction to our production team to put things. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Jeff and I did not answer every question. Um, And we maybe didn't explain things perfectly. Um, we maybe even said things wrong. Probably I did. I'm pretty sure. We might have triggered some people. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> um, we, I'm hoping what we didn't do is cause more confusion. And I'm also going to have the team link. Uh, there's uh, another family that goes to our church. The husband's name is Ruslan. Ru Rue yes. is really close to us. Rue on his YouTube channel put out a series of videos that are frequently asked questions or FAQs centered around racism that I think he did a phenomenal job breaking things down. Um, He utilized a lot of really good information from Pastor Miles McPherson of the Rock Church down in San Diego. They have a campus up here down the street. Uh, Pastor Miles has a book out called The Third Option. I would highly recommend that if you have questions, you go and read that book. You can also watch Pastor Miles' um, sermon, I believe, from this last Sunday. Yes, I'm plugging another pastors' church and sermon um, because this is kingdom stuff. I was going to say something else. This is kingdom stuff, and you need to watch it, and you need to listen to it. And Ruslan has a good relationship with Miles, even though he's part of our church family, and um, he utilized some of Miles' uh, stuff in his FAQs. We're going to put links to those videos. You can go to his, subscribe to his YouTube channel. Um, and Ru does an amazing job of explaining some of these things. So If you're listening online, if you're having a hard time understanding um, things like white privilege and understanding how that exists, how that works, the nuances of that, um, I think those are going to be great. Um, that's an, an, an example of what you can do. Um, of course, I'm going to say, and this is kind of in light of the last question that we talked about in terms of policies and stuff. Guys, the more educated we get about the system, the more equipped we are to vote in an educated manner when the elections come up. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about presidential. I'm talking about policies. Yeah. I'm talking about understanding that when we vote for someone, don't hold a party line. Yeah. Know what the person stands for. Yeah. Okay, don't vote for me because I'm Republican or Democrat. Don't like me because I'm white or black. Like, what is my policy? What's the history of my policy? Um, And the more educated we become, the better equipped we are to vote according to the policies that you as an individual want to make change in. I'm not here to prescribe to you how you need to vote on policies. And so that's something I want overtly, everyone who's going to watch this, everyone who's been watching, if you're sitting here live... Jeff and I, we're not here to prescribe to you exactly how. So I would just ask you to do something. When I said to Jeff, Jeff, at the end of the day, what can I do? He said, come alongside.
1: Just come alongside.
0: And I I think the things that we talked about tonight are ways that we can come alongside. And um, so my hope is that we helped and we brought hope. Yeah. And we haven't hindered people's understanding. I don't think this is the last um, time we're going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm hoping this is opening a dialogue for you, for your loved ones, for your family members. And I hope at, in, the, in the heart of hearts, my hope is, is that we find Jesus in the middle of this. Because as I preached on Sunday, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to come to yes. revive and reconcile and redeem because the strategy of man is what got us here in this power struggle. And we need the strategy of the Holy Spirit on this. Yes. And so we need to cover all these things in love. Mm-hmm. And we need to say, Holy Spirit, come. And we need to ask for divine intervention. It's what so our country good. needs. It's what we need. And so just blessings to everyone who's listening. Blessings yes. to your homes. We just pray just the presence of the Holy Spirit um, as we all walk through this together as a country, as communities. And that we would get off our platforms and we would get into personal relationships. We would get off of posting and we would get into personal conversations. We would be willing to risk and be vulnerable. We would be willing to step into the discomfort of owning what we need to own something. Of letting go of what we need to let go of. But we would be willing to be uncomfortable, stand alongside one another and love one another. And so from Pastor Jeff and from myself, we thank you for the time that you've taken tonight. I told you it was going to be longer than normal. Um, we love you guys. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. If you have questions about anything, please do not hesitate to reach out. Um, and you can email, uh, go to our website, the movement.org, and you can reach out with questions. We would love to do what we can to answer those questions. And we will be following up with a resource with some of the uh, pages and online resources that we gave. And um, we're going to do the best we can to be there to walk alongside and support, so, brother-in-law, I love you. I love you too. I, pr- I love you guys too. I, pr- I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate your joy, and um, I'm very thankful that a man over 25 years ago named James Coleman um, brought you and I together yes. as the patriarch of a family, and gave me an example of what forgiveness looked like mm. as he pulled me aside one day and talked to me about his mother being the help. And him having to work through forgiveness with white America. Mm. And here sat a young white boy (laughs) chasing after his daughter. And he looked at me. And I'll never forget this. He gathered. Remember, he summoned and he gathered all of us for his, like, 70th birthday or something. He got the entire family together and he said this to us. He was out in Temecula. He said, I wanted all of us to get together to celebrate me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is very daddy. (laughs) And he said, I want all of you to remember one thing, the power of forgiveness. And there was some turmoil in our family at that time. At that
1: time, it was.
0: And he said, I don't want you to forget to love each other, and I want you to remember the power of forgiveness. And I'm thankful for James Coleman. Yeah. I'm thankful for Daddy. I'm thankful that because of him, he brought my wife into my life. He brought Jeff into my life. And in some form or fashion brought every single one of you into my life and brought anyone who's watching into, into my life. So I'm thankful, and we're thankful for that. Absolutely. Amen. All right. Amen. You guys have a good night. We're praying for you. Let Thank us know you. if you need anything. We loved being with you here at Wednesday Night Live. We look forward to seeing you again <laughs> next week. Woo! Amen and amen. Amen, amen.